Terry Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Tom Singer, an executive search consultant with Stanton Chase International and a professional speaker and master of ceremonies. In both roles, he works with associations and companies to help them maximize the human connection side of business. And Tom, it's appropriate that you and I are talking on an association podcast because you and I know each other as fellow members of the National Speakers Association. So it's a special pleasure for me to have you here today. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, I am a big fan of associations, not just because they're my clients, but I think they are the, the backbone of industry. And I tell people no matter what industry they work in, I'm super active in the National Speakers Association. But I tell people no matter if, you know, if I was a plumber, I would be super active in the National Plumbers Association. I think that being involved in associations is how people succeed. I just gave some advice to a young professional seeking guidance. And I said, go find an association that does what you want to excel at because it will speed up your learning curve. It'll introduce you to the movers and shakers in the industry, and it'll challenge you in, in ways that we often aren't challenged when we quit learning in a official way, uh, whether it be in uh, undergrad or graduate school or, or really uh, just in life. I think uh, the, the challenge aspect of associations is an important part of what they do. So let's talk about advice you would give to association professionals. We know that things are challenging right now in, in the environment, but if you were talking to somebody who was interested in making an employment change, while we're still in these uncharted waters, what kind of advice would you give? Well, it, it, it starts with that human connection. So, you know, your network is something that you've built all along. Everybody has a network. Some people have done a better job at creating them. Some people are more aware of them. But it's really where are your human connections? Where are your connections to people? Because all opportunities in life come from people. So if you're looking for an opportunity to make a job change, you have to turn to those trusted people and let them know. Because most jobs out there are found through word of mouth. 80% of all jobs uh, you know, at the C-level or down at more entry-level jobs, 80% is the stat that I heard are found through word of mouth, where only 20% use search firms to fill those positions. So many of the jobs are going to be found because somebody else knows about it. So if you're an association director or you're ready to move into that sort of senior role and the people you know around the industry know that you're ready to make a change, when they get the call from that headhunter or when they get the call from another association, if they're not ready to move, they're going to be like, yeah, that's not right for me, but you need to talk to Mary. So making sure that your network is up to speed is the first place I'd start. You know, I think there's a, a fallacy that associations aren't hiring right now. And the reality is, is that many of them are and they're hiring because they need new skill sets. I think there was a bit of complacency for many people who didn't keep themselves up to speed or current. And some of those individuals are no longer with their uh, former employees. And the associations that are really charging ahead are looking at what they need and they are going out and finding it. So there are opportunities out there and they're different. And I'm sure you're probably seeing a little bit of that too. So I'm having conversations right now, not with a whole bunch, but with enough of a cross-section that I think this is definitely a trend of association boards who are saying, we didn't handle the pandemic as well as we could have. We didn't engage our members the way that we should have, 
or one of a hundred different things, and they're thinking about making a change at some or many of their leadership roles. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities coming forward, you know, over the next year or two in the association world, because the board members are saying it's time that we grow maybe with somebody new at the helm. And one of the reasons I was interested in talking with you when we were talking uh, privately was you've heard about some organizations that are actually taking or considering no confidence votes in their leadership. And that's something that we didn't really and don't often hear about in the association arena. But what can those listening today learn from this and do differently in their own careers going forward? Well, I think any time that we go through massive change, and we certainly have been going through massive change for the last year in every industry, I think that that's the time when leaders have to be willing to change with the change, if that makes sense. I think that if you just bury your head in the sand and wait until it comes back to the way it was, then that's those are the people who are going to get replaced. That's where those no confidence votes or it's time to make a change votes are going to come from. So I think that if you work for an association, now is you know the time to make sure that you're putting those changes into effect. In fact, we might be farther along. Maybe it was six months ago that we had to get in to make sure that we're changing with the times, that we're taking a look at what our membership needs, what your membership needs, because memberships are changing and what their expectations are from their, from their organizations. One of the things I see, because I speak on human engagement, your network, and when I started as a professional speaker, my first day that this was my full-time job was April 1st, 2009. <laughs> There's no irony there. No, the irony of being laid off from my corporate job on April 1st is not lost on me. But if you think about it, what was April of 2009? It was the bottom of the Great Recession. And my topic was about how do you connect better with people? And the theme of many associations, if you look back through the, the histories, the theme of their conferences in 2008, 2009, 2010, the theme was connections. And that's why I was being hired is that was my topic. So I was the keynote speaker at dozens and dozens of these things because members needed networking. People were being laid off across industry lines during the Great Recession. People were really worried about what if I get laid off? And so associations bring something that you can't get in a lot of places. And that is it brings that human to human, face to face connection. And so that theme was really, really important. When the recession ended and boom times came, my topic wasn't as popular. People were like, oh, in our industry, if someone needs a job, they just have to raise their hand. And so that topic wasn't the number one topic people were looking for, that networking connection topic. However, when things change, you've got to look for what do our mem- what does our membership need? And I think that right now, members need, they need to feel safe. Uh, they need to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And because in many industries, we are facing a lot of economic hardship, you know, they need that, that change and that, that connection. And if you're not providing it, then they're going to look elsewhere for it. Uh, I've seen a couple of associations do a really good job of, I hate to use the word pivot because it's been so overused, but they've pivoted on the type of value and programming that they're bringing to their people. And I've seen others who have just stopped programming or delivering the same thing that they would have delivered three years ago. Big difference right there. You know, it's interesting. You can have the same same topic, but a different take on it. So uh, connections back in 2008, 2009 were really about networking. 
But I think connections coming out of this is going to be the pent up demand just to be near other people in person and connecting on a very personal level. So it's kind of an interesting thought to think about what that is going to mean going forward. And from somebody who talks about connections, what kind of thoughts have you had about that? So, you know, the connections of the past are going to be different than our connections going forward. Oh, well, absolutely. And one of the reasons for that is, is look at the past 12 years, look at the technology boom. When the iPhone came out and all of the social media apps exploded, everybody thought it was going to be the end of association meetings. They thought that, oh, well, now people can have likes, links, shares, and follows. They're not going to need to come to our association meeting. They'll be able to download videos off YouTube. They won't want to watch speakers. But if you look at the years 2016, 17, 18, 19, these were the biggest years in the meetings business ever recorded. So things change, but they also remain the same. What's happening now is we've gone to all of this digital communication. Uh, LinkedIn has become extremely popular, especially in the last year, as a major way that people connect. However, when we get back to being able to do in-person, we're not going to drop using Zoom as a way to follow up. We're not going to drop using social media the way we've developed to use it. So what happens is, is you're going to have to morph the old, the new, and there'll be even new tools that we haven't even thought of yet. And so you constantly have to be changing. So I talk to groups that, you know, from a networking standpoint of what you're offering your members, in a way we have to get back to basics, but that doesn't mean that I'm saying, you know, throw out your CRM and have an Excel spreadsheet and a card box, you know, a, a card file with A to Z tabs. No, you take all these great tools and you get back to the basics of the way you let people connect. Uh, networking at events is no longer going to be, well, we have two hours in an open bar. There's going to have to be some gamification. There's going to have to be the use of the technology tools. Plus, we're going to go to hybrid events. So it's not just the people on site, it's the people at home. So there's a lot of things that change, but at the end, people turn to their associations for education and industry connections. And we have to always be providing those, but we have to be looking at the new ways to do it. You know, I think the invitation really is how do we keep pushing forward? The pandemic uh, forced us to think about things than, that we probably should have been thinking about anyway. But this whole idea of online networking, we hear that it's not possible, people don't want it, and it doesn't work. But the reality is, is there is some benefit to not having to leave home. There are some cost savings to not having to leave home. And there are opportunities. And, and even as we speak, there's new software that's being created now designed to help with those virtual connections that are so important. It may be 10 minutes in a Zoom room and then a random shuffle and another 10 minutes with another group. So in some ways, we're actually speeding up and making more complex the, this whole idea of connections. And so it's not really an either or, either we're going to be face-to-face -face or we're going to be virtual yes. or either it's going to be online network or it's going to be at a meeting network. The, the reality is it's going to be an and now. And that means more complexity, more financial resources, more human resources. And, and in some ways it's, it's enough just to make you want to lay down and take a nap. <laughs> yes, I opportunity. I would like that nap. I don't get I don't get that nap. But you're right. There are a lot of people who say, oh, the online networking doesn't work. Well, that's not true. Because over the last year, 
I have seen people who have never really called themselves networkers, to put little air quotes around it, who have made more business connections using Zoom, uh, Clubhouse, other tools that are out there in this digital world, and they feel like their social circle has exploded because they've had access through the, the sort of great leveling of the playing field that we've gone through with, with having to social distance. But these are people who took advantage of the tools. The people who didn't use the tools are isolated and they feel like they're disconnected. And I think that this is where associations play such an important role as we come out of the pandemic, is there are people who have thrived when it comes to that human-to-human -human connection. And there's people who have been left behind and feel lonely uh, you know, and caught up in this epidemic of loneliness. And associations have this almost magical ability to bring everybody together digitally and physically. And they have to take ownership of that and really show their membership that that's what they can do. You know, it occurs to me as I'm listening to you talk, too, that the digital allows us to spend a few minutes a day or several minutes a week or maybe even hours, if that's what we choose to do, on a regular basis, rather than waiting for a couple of big networking events twice a year. So it actually gives us some power and some flexibility that we don't have, and an association should harness that. Absolutely. And it's not either or. You said this before. It's we should go to those big industry events if that's something we enjoy doing. If you don't enjoy it, then I don't recommend doing it. But for the people who like going to the conferences, we should. But we also should take a few minutes a day to make sure that we're checking in with people. I ca I've called it social tightening while social distancing. I like that. We need to take ownership of it. If you want to tighten anything with a wrench or whatever, you have to take action. Tightening doesn't happen by itself. And so if we are stuck in this world, and, and we're probably going to be for a while, where we're kept apart, you have to be proactive and, and make that tightening happen. And to do that, it, it has to be intentional. I mean, but here's the other thing. Meeting someone once, whether it's in person, in a chat room, on Clubhouse, clicking to them on LinkedIn, meeting someone once, Mary, doesn't make them part of your network. Meeting someone once makes them someone you have met once. And there is, there is a huge difference between someone you've met once and somebody who you've established a long-term and mutually beneficial relationship with. That latter one doesn't happen by accident. So that's kind of interesting too, because if you and I have met once, one of us has to decide that we're interested in getting to know each other or, or one of us needs to make an effort to reach out to a, attempt a further connection. And, and that's not always something that an association can help with, but I think it's an opportunity. So if I meet you at an association event, then how can I more easily connect? And I'm, I don't have ideas and answers, but I know there are some great minds working on this whole idea of online connection, online uh, uh you know, getting to know each other a little bit better and, and strengthening those digital connections, as you called them. And so personally, I'm excited to see what kind of software, what kind of technology and what kind of events that we'll be seeing in another three to, to six months because of all this. So let's go back to the, the hiring piece of this, because I don't want to lose that. What are you looking for? when considering whether or not a person is a strong candidate for an association position? 
Well, that's going to be different with every single search that, that we would do. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have to spend time talking to the hiring committee and the people who are going to be the stakeholders in making this decision to find out exactly what they need. And the problem is, is that lots of times they don't know. And what I've found within you know, companies and associations is different stakeholders might have a different idea. Uh, talking with one association, they said the person, they would only want to hire somebody who had association management experience. That was that was it because to them, associations were so different. But they had two members of the committee who said, wait a minute, what if we could hire from outside of the association world and find somebody who has really good management experience in for-profit companies that were about the same size as our thing? Could we teach them the membership angle and bring in their business savvy into this? Well, until the committee decides which way to go or bring up a slate of candidates for both, I can't even start searching. So it's going to be different with everybody, but a lot of it has to do with the culture of the company, what they want to do. You know, right now, you know, that's super important for the organization to know if we're going to change directions, what direction are we going and, and who do we want? And then the trick is to go out and find the right slate of people. And often those are people who aren't even looking for jobs. You know, we do really extensive research. We have researchers who go in and take the job description and really go out and find, you know, a hundred or more people who are qualified for what that group is looking for. And then that's where the, the search firm's expertise comes into play, because then we call them all and we find out, are you even interested in having this conversation? And we pre-screen everybody and then narrow that down to a slate that will be diverse, that gives that hiring committee a chance to really look closely at people. Oftentimes, if a company just uses their network, it's like, hey, who do we know? And, and they find a bunch of resumes, and then one or two stands out. But if you have six or eight fantastic candidates with a variety of backgrounds, and all of them would do a great job, that's where you know the association can make the right choice and make a really smart move. That, that you know, because making a bad hire is really expensive. Expensive and painful, <laughs> and uh, just. Uh, sets the association back. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of one that has had six different CEOs in the last five years. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Not a surprise that they are not thriving. And frankly, who would want to go there if you look at, at that kind of history? And, and that's something that candidates should be asking <laughs> is about the history of the, the position uh, over the last several years to see if there's been a lot of turnover. And I have a feeling, this is just a hunch, that as associations coming out of the pandemic are really pressured for financial resources moving forward, that we are likely to see more candidates actually coming from outside the arena because they know about producing to the bottom line and providing a, a stakeholder return. So there well could be a shift. Um, as we wrap up here, I've, I've talked to some CEOs who say, I have the ability to take my association through the pandemic, but I just don't have the energy. And I have some that are saying, honestly, I don't know if I have what it takes going forward. So what advice would you give to an executive director or a CEO that's listening to this, who's on the fence about this? So that's really common in the startup world, right? We have a lot of startup entrepreneurs who start a company and they're able to grow it to $25, $50 million. But in order to scale that company to go public and to become $100 million and beyond, 
in the scope of the company, that startup entrepreneur isn't the right person. Now you have examples like Michael Dell and others who have done that and scaled the company and stayed with it all along. But for the most part, really smart entrepreneurs, they know who they are and they know what their strengths are. And when they see their company has reached that certain place that they are no longer the best leader, that's when they step out and put themselves into a new startup type situation. So, you know, one of the things, if somebody really feels like the association's going a direction that, that I don't want to go, or I'm not capable of going, that's when they have to step up and have that conversation with their board. And that's why this whole idea of having great relationships matters in your career. Because if you're a CEO and you have a great relationship with your board, and I'm thinking of someone in particular who I know had this conversation, they went to the board and asked, do you think I'm the right person to do this? And they were on the fence. They weren't sure if they were the right person. And they got a thumbs up from the board. And the board also provided them with executive coaching and you know, somebody that hired to help guide them to that next level. So you know, if, if you're not sure if you want to go or stay, you need to be able to decide, can I, do I want to, and do I need some outside you know, guidance? Do I, need, do I need a mentor or do I need a, an executive coach to take me to that level? And if you're not the right person, there comes a time where you say, hey, we have to do a transition. We've all seen that happen in, co- in companies and in associations where the leader spends a year transitioning themselves out while the organization finds the right replacement. And then they stay with them for six months to make sure that they do it right. And then they're able to go on to their next opportunity. That's a win-win for everybody. You know, I love what you said about your friend who approached the board and said, am I the right person? Because when you do get a thumbs up, that is a shot in the arm. That's a boost of confidence. And the board went further and said, we'll provide some assistance. And I think there are boards that are willing to do this. I just don't see execs always asking. But that speaks to a high level of respect and trust between the board and that exec. And in the high performing associations that we see, that is something that is uh, in existence. And so if an exec doesn't have that kind of relationship with the board, that certainly is something to aspire to and something to work on. You mentioned continuity planning and the, the and succession planning and just planning for the time when the, the current staff isn't, isn't the right one. If that hasn't been on an association board's plate, that really should be too uh, going forward as well. I think the pandemic exposed a lot of the weaknesses that we have, but also a lot of the opportunities mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, um, you know, one of my favorite things about the association arena is just that there are plenty of opportunities and we can continue to build and continue to grow and, and continue to get better. So, Tom, thank you for being my guest today. Oh, thank you. What a great podcast you have. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. Today.